All right, so uh, we're getting started. We're talking about hope, and we're hoping for Mary. So we're talking about hope, and we are talking about Mary. Now, in light of how things have started today, I just want to encourage you. Um, it might be a really, really, really good time um, to get your Kleenex out, um, because we're going to try to make it through this message. That's our goal today, is to make it through this message. Um, I did not make it through the hoorah this morning. Um, we had to turn that over. But I want to talk about the things that it takes to make um, Christmas merry for you. But I want to share with you, because you know we're, we're in the season of hope, and this is a time where we often will reflect on Jesus. But with all due respect, Maybe not always all that much. Now, I'm going to put a lot of pressure on you because I'm going to say a lot of things over the next couple of weeks about the idea that on the 25th we are having church in here. And it has a lot to do with the idea that we're talking about the Advent, we're talking about the coming, we're talking about God Almighty, Emmanuel, God with us, in the person of Jesus Christ, His Son, coming down to the earth taking on our form, taking our clothes, so to speak, upon him, becoming a human being, and then living as a human being. And we're talking about celebrating his day, and, and it seems odd to me that because it lands on an actual Sunday, we're like, yeah, no, you know, we have to celebrate celebrate Christmas. Now, again, I'm not throwing rocks at anybody, and I haven't talked to anybody in here, but it just seems odd to me as an individual that what I'm going to say to him is, no, doing this is, is more important than doing this. Now listen, nobody loses their salvation if they don't come to church on Christmas Sunday morning. Okay, I'm not even going to say you're going to burn in hell. Okay, I'm not going to say that. Okay, nobody's going to lose their salvation. All I'm asking you to do is process it out. We gather every Sunday morning to gather a little bit of hope for ourselves and to gather hope for other people to learn just a little bit more to believe to believe that our God is not a promise maker, that our God is a promise keeper. And therefore, when our God says to you and I, if two or three gather together in my name, there I am in the midst of us, then we can say that we've gathered together every single Sunday that we've gathered together because God Almighty is there in the person of his Holy Spirit. And we're grateful for that. And, and for me personally, just for me personally, in my quest for God, how could I not show up? How could I not? It, it's not about showing up. Okay, how could I not believe that all the planets are aligning to put Jesus' birthday, and we know it's not his birthday, birthday, but on that day and not believe that maybe God wants to do something in our lives on that day, and how dare, I'm mean, not how dare I dare I, but would I dare miss it just for the hope that the trumpet would blow on that morning and we would all go home from this spot, to me, is like, even if it was just that, how could I miss it? We want to continue to give the hope, but I want to be all in, in the hope. And not because I want to guilt anybody to be all in. That's not, not that. But more the, man, i got to be there. I want to celebrate. I want to worship with all the other believers. I need to be there in my soul for an hour. 
and then run home and enjoy the family festivities, which are an outpouring of our act of worship, depending on how we celebrate Christmas in our gathered um, families. I want to share that with you. All of that has nothing to do with what I have written on my papers. But this is the part where I invite you to be long-suffering with me, because you know I'm going to cry. This is why we get together, because there are people on the other side of that red light watching us, going to church with us, that have been here before but can't be here now. And they are finding some hope in some really desperate situations. Yesterday and today in my my own observance of Advent, of being with the Lord, I've been crying out saying, Lord, I'm not real big on the Mary part because I really don't care, but I'm real big on the hope part. I'm real big on the hoping for Mary, not the hoping for Mary. Because it's going to be Mary at my house. We can plan and spend for that. We can make it Mary. But my hope is in Jesus. My hope is in my family, not going to church, but passionately hungry for the Lord and, and living that out. And so I said, Lord, you know, could, could you just bump into me somewhere here? Let me know that you're here in this Christmas season because I just need to know you. And I walked in this morning and Sarah had put a, if you don't know Sarah, she's amazing. She's our admin that she put a letter on my desk. And I'll change the names, but this is what it says. It says, hello, Joe. <laughs> I love it when it starts that way because I'm no more than you are in my relationship to Jesus Christ. I just have a role in this church, and I don't need it flaunted. I don't need it hung on me like a necklace. I'm just Joe. I'm just trying to find Jesus. I just want to get closer. I just want hope. That's it. Hello, Joe. My name is Karen. Her name's not Karen, and I don't use that name to be derogatory. My name is Karen. I'm sure you're wondering why someone from prison is writing to you. Well, I've been to Vineyard a few times, once with my aunt and uncle, Bill and Mary, not their names, from Berea. I know they used to attend your church, and I'm kind of hoping that they may still. I have no family, and I have made some choices that has landed me here for another two years. I'm only trying to reunite with a couple relatives that I know is still living, and that they may not mind to correspond with me. I also ask if it's not too much. Okay, Lord. If you and your church could pray for my six-year-old and myself as his father took his life in October. I'm going, I'm trying, excuse me, I'm trying to find the Lord, and it's took me coming to prison to realize that there are more beautiful things in life to enjoy and to hold on to. Thank you for your time, Karen. Happy Thanksgiving and happy holidays. <clears throat> All of that to say, this is a person who's looking for hope in a desperate situation. Her husband does not live upon this earth anymore, her son does not have a father. She is incarcerated and finding Jesus but looking real hard still needs to lay hold of him because she's looking for hope. And I want to encourage you that that's what we have to share with people is hope. And that's where we are today. 
And if you're hoping for Mary in your Christmas service or your Christmas um, experiences in the month of December, then I want to invite you to understand that one of the things that we need to talk about are boundaries. If you're going to have a good Christmas, if you're going to have a merry Christmas, then it would behoove you so much to set up boundaries. It would. And it's okay to do just exactly that. Now, when we think of boundaries, we think of walls and fences and giant hedges and property ownership and things like that taking place. But it also comes down to personal boundaries where we set up understandings of how we will operate, how we will allow people to treat us personally. Boundaries aren't anything new. Boundaries have been in the Scripture for a long time. God created some boundaries for Adam and Eve. Work in the garden. Everything is good for you to eat, except, and then he set a boundary around that one tree and said, leave that tree alone. There was also another tree right near it, the tree of life. That means the tree of eternal life. Eat the fruit, live forever. Sort of a tree in your bodily form, live forever. The bodily form that God created, there it was, and it was a boundary. And that boundary was actually meant to keep them safe. It was meant to keep them in the garden. It was meant to keep them in the presence of God. And it was meant to keep them in a relationship with God. We need to understand that boundaries are important in our lives. Somebody once said to me personally, the way you allow people to treat you says something about what you believe about your own personal worth in this world. If you continue to allow people to run you over, if you continue to allow people to disrespect you, if you continue to allow people to use you, and I'm not saying that we don't sacrifice for other people. We sacrifice. Christianity is about sacrificing yourself, about letting go of yourself. And Jesus lived that example out. And let's don't lie, we all use Jesus. We all at times presume upon Jesus because we sin still. We struggle. We, we do. We're human beings. God loves us. We're his children. He doesn't look down on us with disdain. He's not, he's not revolted or repulsed at us, even now. But man, we lean on that forgiveness, don't we? We do. And so there we are. We've got this going on. If you're going to have a Merry Christmas this year, then you'll need to set boundaries. I want to share with you some of that in the Christmas story. And I'm still camped in Luke, but I'm in chapter 1. I'm down at verse 38. It's going to show up up here. For whatever reason, it never leaves this thing. It's always, every time I look in Luke 1, it's still there. Same story, same words, same everything. But it's here. And Mary is, is being addressed by the angel, and then she says in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered, may it be to me as you have said, and then the angel left her. Believe it or not, that is a boundary. And then it goes on to say, at that time Mary got ready, hurried to the town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth, that's her relationship, that's John the Baptist's mom and dad, okay? The angel of the Lord said, even now, your, your relative, your aunt, who had, could not have any children, who was barren, who was old in her days, is pregnant and in her sixth month. And so Mary hurried and she went there. When Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, who was still in, um, in her womb, heard Mary's greeting, John the Baptist leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women and blessed is a child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the, mo the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as my, uh, the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she, 
Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And then let me just kind of jump over the, what's called the Magnificat of Mary. And let me just go to, to where I want to be. And it says, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. So we can recognize that in the midst of this story, we've got the angel coming to, to Mary. And the angel says to Mary, listen to me. The, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and you're going to be found to be with child. And she's like, how is this going to happen? And she doesn't understand, but she's not scared of the angel. He's not terrifying her, but she really wonders about this greeting. And so then the angel says, hey, and even now, and just let me say aunt, but the word is relative, but let me say aunt. Even now, your aunt Elizabeth, who is way, who could be somebody's great grandma, is out in the hill country and she's six months pregnant. And so the angel says, here it is. And Mary says, then let it be to me the way you said, Lord, I am making myself 100% available to you, God. I don't care if it's Christmas on December 25th and I don't care if it's graduation day and I don't care if it's the middle of our vacation in the summer down in Destin, Florida. I am available to you, God. And Mary didn't say all those things. I added those in. But then Mary got up and ran off to go find Elizabeth. And she went and found Elizabeth. And she was going to talk to Elizabeth and she was going to hear about this thing. And I've got some beliefs as to why she ran off to the hill country. And let me just share them with you, and I'm going to share them with you rather quickly. And if you don't get them, those of you that write things down, let me know, and I will give them to you. I believe that Mary went to see Elizabeth because she was pregnant. Mary. Mary was pregnant. Angel of the Lord just stood in front of her and said, you are pregnant. She's got what? Two months before she starts showing a little bit, depending on what she's wearing, it can be kind of flouncy, because I know people that have gone in to see the doctor and come out with a baby. And you say, Joe, that is not possible. Yes, it is. And I actually know somebody who went into the doctor and left with a baby that came out of their body. Not who left with the baby that they adopted, who left with a baby that came out of their body. And they did not know it. Now, we'll discuss all the science and biology later. I'm just going to ask you to take my word for it because I went to church with them. And I do not believe them to be liars any more than I believe Mary to be a liar. But Mary runs off to see Elizabeth because she was pregnant. And pretty soon it's going to start to show. And as a result of that, she wanted to know, was all of this true? Yes, she treasured it all up in her heart. No doubt about it. But just like the shepherds, they, they heard the word and they're like, this is great. Let's go see if it's true. It's great. Let's go see if it's true. You give us hope. Let's go see if it's possible. And they run off and they find the baby in the manger. Okay? So Mary hears this from the angel of the Lord and says, hey, your aunt is six months pregnant, but she lives out in the hill country, so Mary doesn't go to the Kroger with her. So she doesn't know if she really is or not, and she's going to go see if it is, because if she's six months pregnant, then Mary is with child. And there's hope that all of this is true. So she runs and she finds Elizabeth. And Elizabeth, John the Baptist, gets all worked up, starts getting all Pentecostal inside of his mama. He does. like, woo, woo, hands in the air. And, you know, probably some of you are like, listen, baby, we don't do that, okay? If you want to pray reverently while you're in there when the Lord Jesus comes in, that's okay. But you don't get all handsy and stuff inside of mama. Don't do that. Okay? Maybe that's you. I'm always the one that's like, make it wiggle. 
Make the baby wiggle, okay? Make it kick a little. Oh, that's a kick. Yeah, that must be a boy. That's a strong one. Nope, that's a daughter. You know, and she's going she's gonna to kick the door down and she's going to own the world. But there we are. And so Mary went to see, was all this true? And then the next thing happens is Mary left so she could set boundaries. And I believe that. Because you kind of know what it's like when something like this happens in a neighbor, right? Young lady, she's pregnant, she's engaged, not married. She says an angel came, it's the Lord's child, whatever. Somewhere in here, Mary shares with Joseph what's going on. He decides he's going to divorce her. He's he's thinking, is she nuts? Is she unfaithful? Is she lying? Does she secretly love somebody else? I personally believe that Joseph lost his hope in this relationship at first. I really believe that. It hurts to lose hope, doesn't it? It hurts to lose hope. It hurts to be depressed. It hurts to be in a dark place. It hurts to feel lonely. It, it hurts to feel all by yourself. It, it hurts to, feel, uh, uh, to be in prison. It hurts to be in jail when you can't hug your children anymore for the next two years. It hurts. It hurts to believe that nothing good will ever happen to you. It hurts to believe that nothing is going to change. It hurts to lose your hope. But the truth of the matter is, I believe that Um, The angel came to Joseph and restored his hope. I think he had a different hope then. But I do believe that he had a hope because he cared enough to go back and find Jesus when Jesus was 12 years old and he he sinned against his mom and dad. And I don't think he sinned. Jesus never sinned. Don't send me emails, please, okay? I don't really think he sinned. I just think he caused problems for him and he stayed back in three days. They had to find him and they didn't know where their son was. Had he been, were they going to, you know, somebody's kidnapped him, they want money, I don't know. Um, But there's the deal. And you know how it is. If you go back for a middle schooler, you love them. Because most of us are just like, can they just stay at middle school until they get to high school? You know, three years is not a a bad vacation for a mom and a dad of middle schoolers. It's not. We love our middle schoolers, but we just don't want to deal with our middle schoolers. Okay, so you know if Joseph went back for a middle schooler that wasn't really his, he loved him. And so we recognize that Joseph got a new kind of hope. And today I would say that I do have hope. And that I do have peace, and I do have joy, and I know those words aren't in your thing, because my God is not a promise keeper, a promise maker. He is a promise keeper, and there's a huge difference in that, because everything that the Lord has ever said will come to pass has come to pass. Because that's the way the Lord puts up boundaries. If the Lord says it's going to happen, then I promise you that's a boundary. It's a boundary to keep you out of something, or it's a boundary to keep you inside of something. But the, the peace and the joy and the love and the, and the prosperity and whatever else comes because of that promise will come if you stay in it. If you don't stay in it with your attitude, if you don't stay in it with your sacrifice, if you don't stay in it with your relationship to God, then you don't really have a place to stop and be frustrated with the way the Lord's doing it. We can't do, not do what the Lord said and then come back to the Lord and say, but you promised, but we didn't do what he said to begin with. We didn't hold it up. And I do not believe that everything with God is contractual. He'll do this only if we do this. But I do think some of the things are just common sense. Stay out of the road, you won't get hit by the bus. Hello? Don't play there. And when God says don't play there, you don't play there if you want his favor. Because that's where his favor is. It's not there. It's over here. And so I believe that's where Joseph began to find himself. Do you have unspoken boundaries in your life growing up? Were there boundaries that your parents raised you with that you didn't know? I know it sounds kind of crazy and foolish, but we, we, had, we had boundaries. 
and I don't know why this is up here, but um, we had boundaries. And the, probably the biggest boundary that I will ever laugh about and, and um, talk about is don't eat the last Oreo. It's dad's. <laughs> My kids know that. You know, somebody asked about traditions. What's the tradition that keeps moving forward in your life? And it's like, I, I began to think about that, and it's subtly, don't eat the last Oreo, that's mine. Well, the truth of the matter is, you know, you, you will live through it, and it will be okay. Papa will be a little frustrated because he was looking for that Oreo, and it wasn't there all of a sudden. But, you know, there's seven people living in this house. Really? You know, somebody wasn't going to eat that Oreo. you got three boys. Somebody's not going to eat that Oreo. Give me a break. It's going to happen. But it happens. And so we have this picture, and, and I love this picture, and it's the picture of, of uh, Joseph here. In the book of Matthew, in chapter 1, it says, and this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant with the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He, was, he had a mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered all this, an angel of the Lord showed up to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. Jesus, because he will save all of his people. From... These are wills. These aren't maybes. These aren't kindas. These aren't this could happen. He will be this. He will do this. This is going to happen. That is who he is. It's a done deal. He will save his people from their sins. And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin shall conceive, give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Mary, on the other hand, removes herself from the community um, and the town folks and stays with her relative. Joseph doesn't appear unless he went to see her out in the hill country, doesn't see her for six months. Mary leaves, if you do the math real quick, at the time that John the Baptist is born. I don't know if she stuck around for the birth and got to play with him and pray with him and things like that when the baby was born, but we know that Mary was six months pregnant. Uh, excuse me, Elizabeth was six months pregnant. Mary went out there. The scripture very clearly says stayed for three months. That's nine months of pregnancy for Elizabeth, and then left and came back. And so it is my personal belief that Mary left when John the Baptist was born, and I choose to believe that she actually stayed and met the child before she left. I believe that with all of my heart for no reason other than my faith is willing to take that risk. Just like I do understand and believe that Methuselah, the oldest man that lived in the Bible, who was Noah's grandfather, died the year the flood came. So for a hundred and some years, he had the opportunity to help um, Noah and Lamech build that boat as well as Noah's two boys. And when it was all said and done, Noah's father died five years before the boat floated, before the rains came, but his grandfather died the year it happened. And I've been made to understand that Methuselah means um, that you'll get to see the reconciliation, that you'll get to see it. And it's like, wow, what about that? Well, I believe the same thing about Mary. But Mary removed herself from the whole situation because you know how people gossip. And sometimes it gets heavy. And sometimes it's too much. And sometimes you're just tired of being kicked in the shin. Mary left because you know how they treat you if your sin is different than theirs. 
I've been thinking all night or all week this week, and my, my desk is literally covered with post-it notes because sometimes as I'm writing sermons and I'm hearing the Lord speak, I'm just writing on post-it notes and sticking them down in some sort of an order as fast as I possibly can because I feel like the Lord is saying something that I want to share with you um, after this um, holiday season. But, but it's there, and we're looking at this. But I don't want to pastor a church that doesn't have sinners in it. I don't. And I know you might be sitting there going, well, yeah, we're all saints. I, I promise you I know that. It's just sainthood doesn't come with a, you know, one of these halo things. It really doesn't. Sainthood does not come with you, know, you becoming a medallion on somebody's neck somewhere and you become the patron saint of. That, that's called idolatry, and I will be held accountable for that, and I don't mind, but that is idolatry. Um, and so I'm talking to the camera. Um, and so... Um, I recognize that we're saints, but we're still human beings that struggle, and we miss the mark of what is the goal when God tells us how to live our lives. But I don't want to live in a church where we don't have forgiveness, where we don't have grace. I don't want to be the pastor of a church where we have to get dressed up so much and pretend that we don't have problems. I would rather we all just get to say, you know what, we're struggling, and we're hoping for Mary. We're hoping. We'd all like to run off to the hill country for six months. I would right now. We'd like to run off to the hill country for six months with my dogs and my wife. Let me just go on record as saying with my wife. Okay? Some of you are going to ask. All right. And my dogs. I just want to. Because I want to have hope. But I recognize that we're here for the Karens that will write letters to you and I because you made coffee, because you brought the stuff in for beds because you stepped into their life somewhere. And don't think we haven't gotten letters from people that got beds. We have. And letters from people that go to this church that grew up without beds and are so proud of you for supplying beds. And you know Mary left because what happens when people go sideways, we gossip about um, their sin and it doesn't feel good to be the scorn of the people that loved you just a couple of seconds ago. It doesn't. So this is what I want to share with you in the remaining time that I believe in all my tears and snot that God wants you to hear. It is okay to set boundaries. Okay? Write that down in your heart. It is okay to set boundaries. Decide amongst yourselves as a family, as a family unit, what you are and aren't going to be a part of at the gathering. Or during the holiday season. What is it that you will not or do not want to do? And don't do it. It's okay. What do you look forward to that you want to be a part of? And what do you not look forward to that you don't want to be a part of? And at some time, at some time, you can remove yourself from a conversation or a situation, but you can stay present and change what's going on. In the midst of setting boundaries, you need to set boundaries Specifically, I'm just 29 years of ministry. You need to set boundaries for your money. Set boundaries for your money. Okay? The boundaries should not be, oh man, just spend whatever you think that they want. It shouldn't be, because when you hit January, you are in such a dark hole that if you don't have what they call atmospheric or whatever seasonal depression, you'll get it when you get your credit card bill. You'll get it. And it will just happen when there's too many clouds over the Miami Valley. Okay? 
And that's the way it'll be. Set boundaries for your money. And listen to me. And don't feel guilty. And don't be ashamed. Some of the most amazing gifts I have ever received, most of the most amazing gifts I have ever received came from somebody's hands or their heart, not their pocketbook. Do not underestimate your gifts. Set boundaries for your schedule. Set boundaries for your conversations and your religion, even if you're right. Even if you're, I knew a guy who made it his mission at his workplace to go through the workplace because he thought he was the boss and rip off the Santa Claus off the walls and off the doors of everybody else's and throw them on the floor because it offended him. And this was his Jesus, and that's just the way it is. You know what? If you don't want to believe in Santa Claus, and I just want you to know that as a pastor, I do know the truth. Okay? I have not been hoodwinked, and I'm going to be honest with you, I never was as a child. Leave those people alone. Leave them alone. If you can have a conversation with them, have a conversation with them. But, but just leave them alone. Um, set your boundaries for your food. Somebody asked me this past week, how come, because of my wife's cinnamon rolls, I'm not 500 pounds? I'm just going to tell you straight up, I don't like her cinnamon rolls. There's a whole pan of them in my refrigerator right now. First person in my house today can have them, okay? I will give them to you. Um, you don't have to stay long. You can say hi to a puppy and go home with a big pan of cinnamon rolls, okay? I don't like sugar that much. I really don't. Not a big fan. But when she cooks food food, I'm in trouble. I will eat pot pie until I'm 500 pounds. I have to set boundaries for myself. I have to, and I would encourage you to do that with your food. Now let me hit something a little more sensitive, some of you. It is time. It is time. I'll talk about it at a later date. It is time for you to set boundaries for your alcohol consumption. Enough's enough. We are watching people. I am watching people. Not one, not two, not four. I am watching people wreck their lives. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Set boundaries during the Christmas. And I'm just going to, just because I'm a pastor, I'm just going to give you something and you can be a part of it or not. One and done. It's too easy. I know you like a cocktail once in a while. I know you like a drink once in a while. Hey, do yourself a favor. One and done. If you're going to. You don't have to. But if you're going to, limit yourself because you've set a boundary. Now, here's the danger in all of this stuff about setting boundaries. We become self-righteous. We don't have to do that either. Set a boundary. (laughs) Don't become self-righteous. Well, how will I know if I'm self-righteous? People will tell you. (laughs) I promise you, they don't have boundaries about not telling you. They will tell you, okay? Mary and Joseph set some boundaries. In the midst of it all, I want to know if you're available to God. Can God do in your life whatever he wants to. Even if his birthday shows up on a Sunday morning. Just asking. I don't want you to feel guilty if you're not coming. I just want your passionate, consuming journey to chase after God to be so much that you just don't want to miss 
the opportunity to be where he is. Number two, it's okay to communicate your expectations. Struggles come when we expect people to know our boundaries without communicating our boundaries, and that's the way it is. You know Mary and Joseph had to set some really important boundaries? No sex till the child is born. What? Not no sex until you get married. No sex for nine months after that. You thought the tension in the lead-up to getting married, all that anxiety that was going on because you didn't realize you were living in a sexual frustration of, we're going to get married anyway, so why can't we just have a little nibble and, you know, like that? My wife's mortified. (laughs) Just stay with me for a second. We're just real people here, okay? We're just real people. Let's just be honest. Let's stop being pretend, okay? It's there. You're going to get married. Woohoo! Christmas is going to come early. Okay? They get married and it's like, yes! And they're like, no. Somewhere in there, they had a conversation and they communicated there's going to be no intimacy, there's going to be no sex till this child is born. That is restraint on Joseph's behalf. He loved Mary. He loved Mary very much. Matthew 1, but after he considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, Joseph, son of that, and it says, and they, did, um, they gave him the name Jesus, um, let me, I'm just going to skip down through, so when, uh, yeah, when the, verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do, took Mary home as, a wife, as his wife, so immediately they got married, immediately. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. See, that's on Joseph. He cared enough about Mary and Mary's reputation that he protected Mary when he was... That's like giving Jesse James the keys to the bank and saying, don't rob it. Okay? (laughs) Seriously. Come on. You know, those of you that are married, you get it. Okay? Those of you who aren't, just wait. But there it is. Just because you can doesn't mean you get to. As boundaries goes... That was some serious boundaries. Last thing I want to share with you tonight, or this morning. It's okay to act on your boundaries. Why have them if you're not going to act on them? Sometimes people set boundaries and they get put in a position where you have to extract yourself from the family, from their presence, from the conversation, from the activity. It's okay to say why without being self-righteous. It's okay to move on it. It's okay to make it what it is. You don't have to stand on a soapbox to do it. But it is okay to stand up and say, hey, can't be a part of this anymore. I was in a conversation one time, and it just started getting really lascivious. Okay, look that one up. I just wanted to use a big word, but um, uh, it just did. It started getting vulgar, and I just said, hey, you know what? My wife and I need to go home now. And so we left and we went home. And I didn't have to be ugly. I didn't have to be mean and nasty. I have boundaries of what my wife, what I will allow my wife to, to be in the presence of. And it crossed it. And they didn't see any problem with it. And I had a big problem. And I said, hey, let's not go down this road. And they're like, ah, you're just being a Boy Scout. You're just, it's like, you know what? Hey, my wife and I, we need to go. I'm not being ugly. We're going to go home. We'll be back next time you have a party. But I'll tell you what, every time it would happen, I would leave again. It wasn't going to be a one and done. I'm going to train people that I know my worth. And if I don't expect people to treat me, and especially my wife, based on what I believe her worth is, then they won't. 
And I was going to do it. And so I did. And I removed myself from that position because it is okay to act on your boundaries. What good are boundaries? If you don't live them out and you let people run over them, it'd be like taking a hot wire. You know what a hot wire is? Those of you that have farms or land with with livestock on it, it'd be like taking a hot wire and expecting to keep a 2,000-pound bull in during breeding season. (laughs) It's not going to happen. He will run through the wire because he doesn't care. The reward is worth the cost to him. Some people do that with their boundaries. They'll just chuck their boundaries right and left because, you know, it's just too difficult. Again, we don't have to be ugly. Just move out of the way and then come back at another time. Last scripture I want to share with you today. Psalm 16, keep me safe, O my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say, of the holy, uh, I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. He's speaking prophetically as God, okay? Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods, David's talking now, uh, or take up their name on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup, and you make my lot secure. The boundary line, the boundary lines of God Almighty have fallen for me in pleasant pastures, in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me even at night. My heart instructs me. God, the boundaries that that King David said, look at these boundaries God gave me. And God gives us these boundaries. He says, um, I will keep my eyes on the Lord with him at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. My tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. God has set boundaries for you and I. He's done it. God's boundaries, his boundary lines, they protect us. Just real quick, they protect us. They keep our enemies out. We stay safely under the wing of the enemy if we walk with God. We walk with God. Okay? God's boundary line provides for us. You put up the boundaries, you keep the sheep in the pasture, those sheep provide for you. God's boundaries keep the enemy out. They keep things in. And then sometimes God's boundary lines Sometimes they punish us, and we don't like to talk about a God who would punish us. That's not love. Yes, it is. Whom the Lord loves, the Lord disciplines. The Scripture is very clear on that in the New Testament. Very clear. Whom the Lord loves, the Lord disciplines. God's boundary line sometimes put us in the corner with our nose in the corner. Go stand in the corner, Joe. You're going to stand there. This is how you're going to be. This is the attitude. This is what you're going to do. Jesus says to me, go stand in the corner. I love you, I'm right here behind you, but stand in the corner because he's trying to change me. And he needs my attention. And the only way he's going to get it is if he stands me in the corner sometimes. He put Joseph in the bottom of a well. He wrecked the boat that Paul was sailing on just to make sure he maintained his attention. We see it over and over and over again in the the scripture that the situation that people find themselves in sometimes is God-ordained. And it's difficult because God needs their attention. 
And it's okay to pray and say, Lord, help me to learn the lesson. But also help me to make the most of where I am. What I'm going through. How do I bring glory and honor to you instead of just whine, cry, and complain? Boundaries help us to know how to act and how to be who we say we are. And I would encourage you, for the sake of having an absolutely wonderful Christmas, that the idea of sitting down and establishing boundaries is a really good idea. It's a really good idea, and it's okay. Because Christmas shouldn't kill you. We're hoping for a Merry Christmas. So we can also plan for it. And I want to encourage you in that. Plan for Mary as you hope for Mary. These people are up here because some of you are in prison and you're in this room. And you're struggling with something and I don't know what it is and it doesn't matter. I'm not more holy than you and you're not less holy than me if you come up here for prayer. You're just smart because you want everything that God has for you. And I'm one that doesn't hesitate. I want prayer. So we're going to go into this closing song. And these people are here to pray for you. And there's more prayer people in here. So they'll keep stepping up if there's a need. But if you're struggling with something that's robbing you of this boundary, of this hope of Mary for your Christmas, then this is the time to allow people to pray for you. So let's pray. Father, who is God in heaven, we thank you and praise you for the boundaries you've placed in our lives. We ask your forgiveness, Lord, for the times that we push through them. The red flag comes up and we kick it to the side and we walk past it. The challenge comes from a brother or a sister who loves us and we push past it, tell them that they're foolish, that they don't know what they're talking about. When they clearly are just trying to help us and love us and be there for us. But God, we're still your children. We're still struggling. And I just ask and pray that you would restore to us our hope. Restore to us our joy. Restore to us our peace. More than anything, restore to us, God, the joy of our salvation and our relationship to you through Jesus Christ. Our righteousness that allows us, Lord, to walk into the throne room of grace to find help in our time of need. This I cannot thank you enough for, God. I thank you that therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are actually walking in Christ Jesus. Not perfect, not without sin, but feet pointed to the cross and journeying on. Help us to always get back up, especially in this time of Christmas. God, I speak hope on these people that are here and these people that are watching. I speak peace into their festivities and their gatherings. I, I speak a witness and a testimony from their lips as to why they believe what they believe about Christmas, God. That you might be glorified and that we might not just be a people saying, gimme, gimme, gimme. Use us during this Christmas season. I ask in Jesus' blessed and holy name. Amen.